This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. We are joined at this time by Associate Dietitian Yuri Bacha here on the COVID Report. Yuri, thank you so much for your time and uh, good evening and welcome to the COVID Report. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, we were in conversation with uh, bariatric surgeon Dr. Andre Borgheter earlier on uh, this edition of the COVID Report, talking us through the differences between uh, obesity and being overweight. And the one thing that he was very quick to note was that a lot of these cases that are being re- are being reported are individuals who aren't, in his view and his insight, eating a balanced and healthy diet. Now, could, from your expertise, could you talk us through exactly how the pandemic impacted people's ability to eat what normal people would consider a healthy and balanced diet? I would say the pandemic sort of impacted how healthily people could eat. I think it highlighted how badly people do eat because when we were in hard lockdown last year, I think people were kind of shell-shocked because so many people just don't cook, as doctor was just saying. So many people just, you know, take out Uber Eats, drive through. And then last year when all the restaurants were closed, people realized, oh my gosh, what do I do? I don't know. I don't have any pots and pans. What do I cook? So I don't think it made it sort of worse in terms of things. I think it just highlighted how bad, you know, as a nation, how bad our sort of dietary habits are. Um, and then I think as lockdown sort of progressed and we loosened lockdown, I think people kind of got very excited to go back and eat out in restaurants. And people sort of fell back into those bad habits and probably painful. And people, you know, it's very easy to sort of say, oh, I'll just take something up from the shop instead of, you know, cutting out an hour or maybe a few hours in the weekend to prepare for the week ahead. Um, and I think small, unhealthy habits like that over one, two years, even a few months, they really add up and it can really affect your health negatively in the long run. From a dietetic point of view, can you talk us through some of the root and leading causes of obesity? So I think at the surface, um, obesity just seems like a simple thing. You know, it's easy to paint people with a paintbrush saying, oh, you're lazy, just move more and eat less. How difficult can it be? But when you really look at it, I mean, obesity could be considered a chronic disease. There's so many contributing factors. Um, and it's, you know, much deeper than just one individual. It's sort of, if you look at the bigger picture from a broad sense of view, you know, uh, you have to look at it from what is the environment you're in. Are you in an obesogenic environment? Being, are you in an environment that you know, every other corner you see a Casey, then you take another corner, it's a McDonald's and Nando's and Sears. Um, where's the closest food market that's going to be selling fresh, affordable, fresh vegetables, healthy foods versus, you know, sort of a takeaway cafe on, on the side of the road that's selling, you know, hot chips and white bread. So you have to look at the environment. Are there places for you to do recreational activities where you can, where you can be physically active? Are there gyms? Is it safe for you to, you know, be outside and being active? Is it not? What's the infrastructure like? And that all then links to the bigger picture of our state as a country in terms of economics and sociocultural uh, issues. And so it's, it's a countrywide issue. It's not just an individual, you know, choice. It's just what they have available to them. Um, and obviously then you have to look at it in terms of a psychological aspect because, for example, with COVID now, many people have been put through maintenance stress, which obviously can affect people, you know, negatively in terms of their mental health. And sometimes some people will gravitate towards into more in this stress or emotional and other people will be the opposite. So the root causes are multifaceted and it's very complex. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to sort of what we're putting into our bodies. So the food choices we're making or the foods that are available to us, are they 
nutrient dense, are they energy dense, are they unhealthy, healthy, um, are we overeating and are we moving our bodies from a top down effect it depends on the space you find yourself in and then, you know, as an individual, what are you doing with what you have and are you making the best choices for you um, for your life and for your health? Um, but yeah, basically it is how much you're eating, how much you're burning, but uh, again, there's so many, so many things that contribute um, such as medical conditions and all of that. It's very difficult to pinpoint it. We covered this with Dr. Andre in our conversation at the top of the show and I'm very curious to hear your insight on this as well because obesity is not only prone to adults but children as well are affected by this. So could you please um, talk us through the risks involved with children being obese and how this can be corrected? Yes, it's a very, very scary thing that of our overweight um, you know, children in this country at the moment and it's Rising every year, just getting more and more. I mean, in 2016, it was 13%. It's probably gone up, gone up since then. So it's definitely something we need to be keeping an eye on. And I think now with the sort of school from home and uh, the, the, the issues that COVID has brought in, it's, it's probably going to make it a lot worse. So the risk for, uh, ch- you know, children who are overweight and obese, um, I mean, we all know children can be very cruel. So in that sense, you know, if they can't keep up with their friends of the same age at school, if they can't keep up maybe in sports or PE, um, they're sort of opening themselves up to sort of isolation or bullying, and that can open up a whole other can of worms in terms of, you know, poor mental health, poor self-esteem, and down the line as they move into adolescence, that's going to affect their mental health, may develop into disordered eating. So that's definitely something we don't want. I mean, apart from that, it's going to affect how they can get along in their day-to-day lives. Mobility issues, functionality issues, poor breathing, poor sleep, um, increased risk for asthma, and that's all things we don't want our children to be dealing with. And then, of course, um, if a child is overweight, it means as they grow older or when they are an adult, they are then at an increased risk for all these chronic diseases of lifestyle. Um, and that's our cholesterol, our hypertension, um, diabetes, insulin resistance. Um, and we all know, and it's been highlighted now so much more with COVID, that having these sort of comorbidities puts you at sort of a disadvantage for general, you know, life expectancy to outcomes, and especially now with COVID. So definitely a great risk involved. And then in terms of um, how do we sort of prevent this or sort of now try and turn the tide around because, you know, I would say we want to prevent it, but it's already happening. So how do we sort of fix what's already happened? Um, this definitely has to come into sort of family role modeling, education. What is our school setting like? Again, what are the environments our children are finding themselves in? In schools, they may be getting two periods of two years a week and then if sports are not compulsory, they'll just be sort of sitting around the rest of the time. And also depends on the sort of uh, depending on the income bracket, what is the school able to offer? If it's a low-income school, you know, resources are really thin. Maybe they're not able to offer extra curriculum. So it, it really does come down to, and I think uh, where we do lack in this country, sort of parental sort of um, influence on our kids, like uh, Dr. Andrew was saying, you know, kids are sat at home with their phones, with TVs, or, you know, with phones now, it's really easy to just say, okay, cool, we'll keep yourself busy, instead of saying, why don't you go take a soccer ball in front? You know, everyone in the dressers, the parents want to get work done, and it's, you know, six to six, and then dinner, and then TV and sleep with the family, instead of the four way, it was, you know, it's, let me stop work, spend some time with the kids, let's take care, let's take a walk around the garden, or, uh, you know, doing physical activities and weekends, it really has to come start sort of from behavior, sort of uh, role modeling from a young age, and of course, you know, uh, making sure that in schools we are instilling this sort of mindset and showing them that it's not a chore, um, it's for your benefit and it can be fun, um, and it really just starts 
from from in that sense of teaching our children from a young age um, that it's important and why it's important and making it sort of appealing to them. Indeed. Now, I'm still exploring this idea of how the how, how people who identify as as overweight or creeping towards obese could potentially be at an even greater risk um, now that we are still dealing with this pandemic, we're still dealing with this virus that has claimed lives all over the world. So could you paint that picture for the benefit of those listening right now as to exactly what kind of danger uh, people who identify as overweight or obese can get into as it pertains to uh, fighting off this virus? And could you also give us more insight on what medical nutritional therapy for obesity-related health problems entails? All right, so to answer the first part of your question, this virus has sort of had all of us, I mean, medical professional scientists, they're still trying to figure out why the virus, you know, sort of affects certain people more than others. I mean, for example, you have a fit triathlete to get the virus and, you know, unfortunately passes away in two days. And then I've just heard of someone who has every comorbidity under the sun, overweight, cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, had COVID, recovered from COVID and only found out sort of afterwards. So it's really difficult to know what this virus is doing. But what we have seen is that people who are, or what we know, you know, long even before COVID is that if you are overweight and obese, it means you are at a greater risk of developing or probably already have all the sort of chronic lifestyle diseases of type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, uh, way, way increases for um, cardiovascular disease. It's obviously going to put strain on your organs, especially, you know, the heart and the kidneys. And obviously, if those organs are already at strain, already uh, working sort of harder than they should be, if an external force such as a virus or the COVID-19 virus, you know, comes into play and your body is not up to scratch in terms of fighting this off, if your immune, immunity is down, which is also very likely if you if you are overweight and obese, there's a good chance you are going to develop severe COVID and it's going to be much harder for you to recover from that. And that, you know, that's the case for any kind of disease. If you are not in optimal health in terms of, you know, mitigating the risk for, for these comorbidities, you are going to be putting yourself at a much greater disadvantage to uh, fight them off and recover from them if you are infected. Then in terms of medical nutrition therapy, so... Basically, medical nutrition therapy is the management of disease in in the individualized nutritional assessment advice. And this is now, and I love what um, Dr. Andre Pochetti said that I think dietitians are not valued in terms of everybody thinks, you know, if you just Google healthy diet or this and that and Google, it means uh, I can be a nutritionist too. Or if you do a four-week course, you know, on weight loss, everyone thinks they're an expert. But the, the difference comes in is that we have to be registered with sort of our medical board, so ACCSA in this country, to practice medical nutrition therapy because it is so complex and we have to know, you know, the bodily functions from, you know, kidneys to heart and how it impacts with our hormones and how that will impact the certain foods and, oh, are you taking specific medications and this and that. So it really is very, you know, interrelated and it's very uh, in-depth assessment to kind of then um, try and resolve medical issues such as, you know, if you have maybe kidney disease or renal dysfunction, you know, what food shouldn't you be eating, what food should you be eating more of, um, you know, uh, and then we obviously take that into consideration with uh, how is your family eating, what can you afford, what is your lifestyle, what are your preferences, um, you know, what income bracket are you in. So it's very, um, you know, specific 
through your, your medical condition and only dietitians can truly, truly help you with that. So anything from diabetes to cholesterol to hypertension, um, that is medical nutrition therapy if you're using sort of nutrition and diet to either improve your symptoms, reduce risk or even prevent this from happening ahead of time. And finally, to conclude our conversation, uh, this two-ended question that I'm throwing towards you, I'm very curious to hear your expertise and your insight on this because um, over the course of the year plus that uh, we've been dealing with this pandemic, as you noted earlier, a lot has been made about how this virus impacts different people in different ways. And uh, we also talked about the ways in which um, people who are overweight creeping towards uh, being obese uh, could potentially be at further risk of contracting this virus. This is all happening on the backdrop of a movement that has increased in volume over time, the movement of body positivity, which um, which we know has has risen or, or on the back of, like you said earlier, children being bullied for their weight and all, and all of the psychological issues that that um, your physical size can have on a, on a person. I'm curious to find out from you where do we draw the line between body positivity and the threat of obesity and furthermore how do we move forward in terms of encouraging people to live a healthier lifestyle during this crucial time as the country is battling with the COVID-19 pandemic as we've already seen over the year plus that has passed yeah now that's a very good question it's very tricky and I think you'll get a different answer depending on who you are so you have you know camps for pro-body positivity, it doesn't matter as long as we're happy in our bodies, it doesn't matter whatever else is, you know, it doesn't matter. Then you'll get sort of more professionals and doctors who say, you know, it's nonsense, you really have to move past this mindset thinking there's no, we can't be healthy at any overweight obesity. I think you need to have a bit of a gray area um, because weight does not equate to health. Um, That has been proven. You can be healthy even if according to, for example, BMI, which is a very sort of not specific or accurate way of uh, defining, you know, your, your weight, for example. But you can be healthy if you are a little bit bigger than what is considered precisely acceptable. But that's not to say that you should just be like, okay, I'm overweight, I don't care, it's accepted now, it's the in thing, um, I'm no longer getting bullied for it, so I'm just going to let my health go and whatever happens, happens. So... I think what has happened is that at the core of it, body positivity really stands for something good and it's important and it's needed because, you know, fat-shaming stigma around being overweight and obese is a problem in its own. But um, at the core of what body positivity is, it's not saying, I'm overweight, I'm obese, I'm going to eat whatever I want and you can't tell me anything about it if you do, you're a horrible person. That is not what it is. What it is saying is that you should love your body at every stage. Whether you are overweight or obese, um, as long as you are working to be a healthier version of yourself throughout that process, you should love, respect, and treat your body with kindness and feel it properly. It's not to say I'm overweight and I don't care about myself and I'm just going to eat junk. It's rather saying I'm at this point now and I'm going to assess myself and in so doing it makes it easy for me to reach my health goals, whatever that may be, even if it isn't, um, you know, a size 8 that you see on social media of these models serving, if I'm making myself clear as a very bad example. But yeah, I think it's very important that there needs to be a line. You can't really just be saying, you know what, body positivity, so this gives me the green light to just live my best life and eat all the sugar, fat, 
and psyches and not say about, you know, my actual medical physiological health. That's not what body positivity is. And it is definitely important to make sure you are maintaining a level of health and wellness regardless of your size um, and make sure that at any given stage you are working towards being healthier, whatever weight that may be for you specifically because it's going to be different for everyone. Me and you could be on the same diet, same exercises, eating the exact same meals every day and still look different. I could be 20 kilograms heavier than you, but we could both be equally healthy and that's just something to keep in mind. We've just been joined by dietitian Yuri Bacher here on the COVID report, helping us make further sense of the link between the COVID-19 pandemic and people's physical health and the various ways in which people who identify as overweight creeping towards obese could potentially be in further danger and at further risk of contracting the COVID-19 virus and also discussing ways in which we can uh, put measures together to avoid this from being calamitous. Yuri, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the valuable insight that you have shared with us alongside Dr. Andre Porchita, who we had earlier in the show. It's definitely given me a much clearer idea of where things stand on this issue. So again, one more time, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID Report. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or streams via www.valfm.co.za. Today.